Hey there everyone and welcome back to Med Talks. I'm Saho Nachani and I'm currently a junior doctor working in the East Midlands. This episode is part of the Junior Doctors Guide series where we are covering the most common scenarios faced by junior doctors, particularly during an on-call shift. Today, I'm going to be talking to you about something which we don't really get taught about in detail during medical school and we sort of just have to learn it on the job, as with many other things. We'll start with a case. So, you're on call in the medical assessment unit and you're going to clerk clerk a patient who has come in. Here's the background of the patient. He's a 32-year-old Caucasian male with a background of type 1 diabetes for which he takes an insulin called Decludec. Other past medical history includes anxiety and depression. So he's come to the hospital because over the last two to three days he's been having some vomiting and diarrhoea and just feels pretty rubbish inside as a result, where he's unable to keep anything down. The rest of the history is pretty unremarkable with no red flags. On examination he looks dry and reports some epigastric abdominal pain which is coming and going. Otherwise nothing else to note on examination. His observations aren't too bad. Blood pressure is slightly low, which is to be expected given his fluid loss and lack of rehydration. His heart rate is around 90, he's apyrexial, and his saturations and respiratory rate are fine. Now, what other key investigation do you want to know at this point? That's right, his glucose. So, his capillary blood glucose is stable, although they were high when he first came to the hospital. His ketones have been checked and he's had a venous blood glass which has shown that he's not in DKA. So I went to see the patient with a consultant who advised that we get an x-ray of the abdomen to see if it could explain his abdominal pain and also to commence the patient on a sliding scale. So, sliding scale, also known as variable rate insulin infusion. This is something which I've personally learnt about during my FY1 year rather than during medical school especially during on-call shifts. And that's why I'm doing this talk, because you may be asked to start a patient on a sliding scale or asked to review whether a sliding scale needs to be continued, and you need to know enough about them in order to do this. So, what is a sliding scale? Sliding scale, or variable rate insulin infusion, is an infusion of IV insulin at a variable rate according to regular capillary blood glucose or CBG measurements with the aim of controlling serum glucose levels within a specified range. It's usually accompanied by an infusion of fluid containing glucose to prevent insulin-induced hypoglycemia. That's the diabetes.org definition of a sliding scale. Now, it's vital to control a patient's blood glucose during their hospital admission, especially when they are acutely unwell. If this isn't done, then morbidity, mortality and length of stay are worse. Okay, so what are the indications for a sliding scale? The absolute indications are in a type 1 diabetic who is nil by mouth and has had more than one missed meal. Secondly, a type 1 diabetic with recurrent vomiting and where DKA has been excluded. Thirdly, a type 1 or type 2 diabetic with a severe illness where there is a need to achieve good glycemic control, for example sepsis. And there are special circumstances, for example in acute coronary syndrome, a stroke, TPN or enteral feeding, patients on steroids 
and pregnancy where local guidelines should be followed and advice from the diabetic, diabetes team should be sought. So, what are the advantages of variable rate insulin infusion? It provides a target-driven glucose control for specified indications and it also, it also leads to the avoidance of metabolic decompensation. The disadvantages are there is frequent capillary blood glucose monitoring and the IV infusion is intrusive for patients. It may be difficult to manage if the patient is eating and we'll talk more about this. If the target glucose level is not achieved, then it requires reviews of prescriptions and it may prolong the hospital stay if it's inappropriately used. The potential risks include fluid overload, hypokalemia due to the insulin and or hypo hyponatremia. Because we're introducing an intravenous line, there is a risk for infection. Then there's hyper and hypoglycemia due to inappropriate infusion rates or inadequate monitoring. Also, there is a risk of rebound hyperglycemia and possible ketosis if intravenous access is lost or the variable rate is stopped incorrectly. So exactly what is given? Firstly, there is insulin. So usually this is 50 units of human act rapid insulin. After it's been mixed with sodium chloride, this provides a concentration of one unit per mil. This is given via a syringe driver with the aim to achieve a glucose of six to 10 millimoles per liter, although four to 12 is acceptable. Secondly, we give intravenous dextrose plus minus potassium chloride, depending on the serum potassium concentration. The rate at which the infusion is administered depends on various factors, such as a person's insulin sensitivity and resistance, any concurrent illnesses, any medications that they're on, such as steroids, which may contribute to the high glucose level. So for insulin-sensitive patients, then a reduced rate is set up. For most patients, a standard rate is set up, and for those who are insulin resistant, then an increased rate is given. It's important to ask the patient how many units of insulin that they take in a day, and this will help to guide the rate. Okay, now let's talk about the maintenance of a variable rate insulin infusion. What is required? Well, hourly capillary blood glucose monitoring, review of the insulin infusion rate to achieve target glucose range, at least a daily review of the need for variable rate, a daily clinical review of the patient including their fluid status, and daily urea and electrolytes. So when do we need to measure blood ketones? I hear you all eagerly asking. If patients with type 1 diabetes are unwell or develop persistent hyperglycemia whilst in hospital, so this is two readings more than 12 millimoles per litre at least one hour apart, then you need to check the capillary blood ketone and take appropriate action. Also, you need to measure blood ketones in patients with type 2 diabetes who may be prone to ketone production if they are unwell. So, next question is, what do we do if the ketones are abnormal? If the ketones are less than 0.6, then this is fine, this is okay, this is normal. If the ketones are 0.6 to 1.4, then you need to recheck them in two hours. If they're between 1.5 and 2.9, then the patient is at risk of DKA. You need to review the management and consider the causes for the elevated ketone level in the patient. For example, missed insulin or inadequate insulin. 
and call the diabetes team if you're in any doubt. Recheck the ketones in an hour and take necessary action. If the ketones are more than 3, then you need to do an urgent VBG to check the bicarbonate level and the pH because the patient may, be, may need to be switched over to the DKA protocol depending on this result. And you can check our separate podcast episode on the assessment and management of patients with DKA. If there is no capillary blood ketone machine available, then you can use urinary ketones instead. If the ketones are 2 plus or more, then you need to do a VBG to check the bicarb and the pH. If the bicarb is less than 15 and or the pH is less than 7.3, then the patient has got diabetic ketoacidosis. So, when should a sliding scale be stopped? Now the aim is to switch the patient back to their normal medication, be it oral or subcutaneous, once they have recovered from their precipitating illness or condition, and they are able to eat and drink, provided that the variable rate can be discontinued safely. Other diabetic medications are withheld whilst they are on a variable rate unless they are on a long-acting analogue or isophane basal insulin, which must be continued. So, if the patients take multiple daily injections, MDI, or a basal bolus insulin regime, then their long-acting insulin should be continued, and this will help to prevent rebound hyperglycemia once the variable rate is stopped. All diabetes treatments should be reviewed in all patients admitted with unstable blood sugars, and they should be referred to the diabetes inpatient team. The variable rate insulin infusion should not be discontinued until 30 minutes after the usual diabetes treatment has been restarted and the patient is able to eat and drink. The capillary blood glucose should be checked one hour after the variable rate has been discontinued and at least four times for the first 24 hours after it's been discontinued to ensure that there is no rebound hypoglycemia, so for example pre-meal and pre-bedtime. So, just to summarise the aims of variable rate insulin infusions or sliding scale. The aim is to maintain the CBG in range between 6 and 10 millimoles per litre with a range of 4 to 12 being acceptable. Also, we want to avoid hypoglycemia, so a CBG of less than 4. We want to limit the use of the variable rate to less than 24 hours wherever possible and try to avoid it in, in those patients who are able to eat and drink. Now, if the um, CBG level goes below 4, the variable rate will need to be stopped and the hypoglycemia will need to be treated as per the local hypoglycemia guidelines. And you can find a separate episode on how to treat a patient with hypoglycemia. So the, when the variable rate is restarted, then the, it should be stepped down to the next scale. And it should be reviewed in, again in six hours. Okay, so I think we'll leave it there. Thanks very much for listening to this episode. We hope that you found it useful. Please remember to give us some feedback by filling out the form in the episode bio. Also, please subscribe to our channels on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts, where we cover many other common scenarios that you're going to face as a junior doctor. You can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook for more updates. Stay tuned for more episodes coming soon. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.